Are y'all in Ephesians 4? Yes, sir. Okay, let's read together verses 11 and 12. Let's read together. Ready, read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Father, thank you tonight for giving us the opportunity to spend this time in your word. I ask you, Father, that your anointing would drench me, that God, you'd soak me in that anointing, that, in that anointing, that glory, that God, as I, as I open my mouth, it'll be you that speaks to your people, oh God. We want you to speak tonight, Father, none of me, all of you, and I pray, Father, your people will have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and open hearts to receive the word of God. And I pray, Father, that in this place, the, the people here, and those that are tuned in online will grow up and become the fullness of what you've called us all to be, equipped for the work of the ministry, that you may use us in this generation, we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. All right. Praise God. Now, we were talking last week about how God, uh, we saw what a glorious uh, thing happened when we were in Rise uh, 23 here a couple weekends ago, and uh, God, we saw how God is raising up an army of uh, laborers, an army of workers, a workforce, amen? Now, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. At the same time, we are God's ambassadors. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are workers together with God. We are workers together with God. Say that, I'm a worker together with God. So that means I'm on God's team. I'm God's co-worker, amen? And uh, we don't get any days off, any, any time off, Amen. We're always working together with God. Doesn't mean you're always in some labor-intensive thing, but we're always on call, always on duty, ready for God to use us. Amen? And so every one of us, listen, if you know the word, every single believer is called to ministry. Every single believer is called to ministry. You're at least called to the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says that we have been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus and we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So every believer is called into ministry. On some level, of some sort, every believer is called into ministry. I don't care if you've been saved uh, 20 years, 30 years, 20 minutes, you are called into ministry. In fact, you were called before you were born. Remember I showed you last week in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 how God told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, uh, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations, right? So God knew you and so you were already called. What happened is God kept calling and first thing, the first call you answered was to get born again. How many of y'all are born again tonight? Okay, that's the first call that you answered. But then he's not done calling. He's not done drawing because you didn't get born again just to go to heaven. If that were the case, the moment you got born again, he would have just withdrawn breath from you and said, come on up here. Okay, you made it. But the fact that he left us here is evidence that we have an assignment or a calling on our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I'm here for a reason. I'm here uh, to be on duty. I'm here for an assignment. And so what happened, uh, what, what happened to me uh, 34 years ago was I accepted my call. I, I accepted my call to be, to be born again, called to salvation in February 1989, and I accepted my call to preach in April of 1989. God didn't have to chase me down for years. As soon as he called me, I, I accepted. Amen. And what happens is, a lot of times, if you're not necessarily in tune or necessarily looking for it, or maybe you've not been taught or trained, or maybe not in a place that is welcoming of 
everybody ministering. Because, you know, there are some places where it's kind of like a highlight show for one man or one woman. But this is not that kind of church. In this church, my job is to train all of you to work in ministry. Hallelujah. We can't function with one man or one woman. It takes all of us putting our hands to the plow to get the job done. Amen? And so what happens is over time, eventually, and many of you in the last couple weeks accepted your call to ministry. When you, we, uh, Minister Clayton asked about those who felt a call to fivefold ministry, the fact that you stepped forward in front of everybody was a big step. Or when he was saying we were passing out, the Lord was handing out mantles, and you receive your mantle, that's a big step. Well, the mantle wasn't just to give you goosebumps. The mantle is for work. The mantle is for work. Hallelujah. And so my job as in the fivefold ministry is to help prepare you for the work of the ministry. Amen. Everybody say work. work. It's, it's said around preaching circles and around the church. Uh, the question is, how do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. It's W-O-R-K. How do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. Because ministry is work. It's not spelled T-I-T-L-E. It's not spelled T-I-T-L-E. It's not about a title. And, and many people get excited about titles more than they do about the work of the ministry. The same way there are people get more excited about a wedding than they do about a marriage. There are people get excited about the idea of going to college and actually doing the work. Come on now, help me out. How many of y'all got excited about, well, I'm going to fam, I'm going to Bethune, I'm going, going to somewhere, but then day one, you had, to, you had to go in that chemistry lab or be up at eight o'clock in the morning. I, I was telling my family, my, my first year uh, in college, my only year in uh, that kind of college, let me correct that. My only semester in that kind of college. Uh, I, I, I was, you know, I took the regular course load and I made the idiotic mistake of scheduling an eight o'clock class on Saturday morning. Why in the world? Who helped me? What demon got in my head to schedule an 8 a.m. class on Saturday morning? And it was, wasn't an intro to class. It was intro to speech communications. That was dumb. That was dumb. Hallelujah. And then, then the worst thing I found out was that St. Pete College had um, this student union, like a student lounge, that had pool tables and ping pong tables and vending machines in there. And uh, that was it. That was the end of my college experience. Pashera was in my class. Remember Pashera? <laughs> we were in my class. Hallelujah. What class was that? That was college algebra, I think it was. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, you cheated on paper. I helped you. It's all right. It's all right. I helped Pastor Kim through geometry, so. Because I, I, you know, I wasn't a dummy. I just wasn't, you know, uh, ping pong or English comp. Comp one. Mm. Hands down, I was shooting pool all day long, D. And uh, anyway, because I was excited about, about being in college, but not excited about doing the work. And so you can be excited about a title, about being in ministry, but don't understand ministry is W-O-R-K. Amen? So I'm, I'm here to help us get ready for doing the work of the ministry. Amen? Now, I gave you a scripture last week. Uh, we, in fact, we didn't look at it, but I referenced it, 1 Timothy 1.12, where Paul says, and I thank Christ, Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So notice he says that God, the Lord, has enabled him. 
What does enabling mean? It means he gave him an ability. We could also say he graced him. So notice that the grace came and he said, because. So the grace or the enablement came because God counted him faithful in uh, putting him into the ministry. So notice he wasn't in the ministry before he was found faithful. God already found him faithful. I remember I said this to you last week uh, because I went back and watched it a few times uh, from last week that that, uh, Paul was faithful even as a renegade. He wasn't serving Jesus Christ, right? He, he thought he was serving God by doing, you know, killing and, and destroying and imprisoning people, but he was faithful at it. So God, God evaluates you before he puts you in ministry. He evaluates you before you get saved. He, he, he's looking at your composition, your makeup, what kind of person you are. Are you diligent? Are you faithful? Are you loyal in, in what you do? And so when he finds that kind of faithful person, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord, I think it's 2 Chronicles 16, 9, he go all to and fro throughout the whole earth looking to find someone, show himself uh, strong on behalf of those who are loyal to him or whose hearts are loyal to him. So God's searching. He's looking. He's checking us out. We're always being interviewed, always being inspected. Remember I, told, I gave you the reference uh, where Jesus, when Nathaniel came to him, yes. just say yes. yes. When Nathaniel came to him, we, I'm moving fast. And, and Nathaniel, he said, said, look at you, this man with no guile in his mouth, no deceit in his mouth. And Nathaniel said, how did you know me? Because they were, they were nowhere near each other. He said, how did you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before your, your brother Philip found you. I saw you. That word saw meant I was inspecting, I was examining, I was observing. So God is always inspecting, examining, and observing us. He's watching. Tell your neighbor, he's watching you. He's watching you. He's always watching you. He's watching to see, are we faithful? He's watching to see what, what, he can, what he can entrust to us. Hallelujah. I learned this the hard way, but also because I hadn't heard enough people who have been in ministry longer than me to uh, say this, that you don't, you don't entrust a uh, big task to people who are doing nothing. You, 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 you want to get something done, find somebody who's already busy. Now, I know that that seems antithetical, but, but the truth is, if you want to get something done, find somebody who's busy. Because people who are not busy, people who are not doing nothing, doing anything, there's a reason they're not doing anything, because generally, well, I'm not going to use the word. I don't like that. Lazy is the word. Okay. All right. So let's move forward here. So, again, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says that, that he himself, Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers mm-hmm. for a reason. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's our focus. There are several other things you keep reading, 11, uh, verse, verse 12, 13, 14, so forth. But my focus for this uh, series is for the equipping of the saints. That word equipping, King James, I believe, used the words perfecting. Perfecting. If we just take the word, the words at face value to perfect, that means to make you, to mature you, or also to finish you, to, to finish you off, or the equipping to provide you the equipment that you need. So there's, you need equipping for the work of the ministry, right? We look at that word that it came from katartismos. I don't have time to read all this, so y'all got to go back and check it out online. And it comes from, a, from another word, katartizo, meaning to render. Uh, to, uh, to fit, to sound, to complete. I'm going to skip to the end of this for sake of time. It goes to where it talks about to prepare. To prepare. You see that? Go to the next frame. 
to prepare, right? And then it says at the end, to make one what he ought to be. To make one what he ought to be. So my job and the job of the fivefold ministry is to uh, prepare you and to make you what you ought to be. Because when we come into this thing, we're not what we ought to be. I know you may think you are. You may think you're all in a bag of grits because you got a, you got a, a, a doctorate in, in education out there in the secular world. But this ain't that. Just because you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company in the world doesn't mean you're qualified and prepared to be uh, in administrating the body of Christ. You might have some natural tools, but you must be prepared to work because ministry is not the same as the secular world. How many of y'all understand that? So, so you have to allow yourself to be adjusted. That was one of the words that was in there. You have to allow yourself to be adjusted, to be, to be perfected, to be equipped, to be prepared. To, to first, first, you must be humble enough to admit you're not what you ought to be. Hallelujah. And then be humble enough to allow somebody to help you become what you ought to be. One of the ways that you become what you ought to be is what it says in Proverbs, I think it's chapter 27. Uh, it says, iron sharpens iron. So does a man the countenance of his brother. Iron sharpens iron. And for iron to sharpen iron, the iron that's doing the sharpening must be more rigid, more tough, more, more, more firm than the iron that's being sharpened. So when you have iron sharpening iron, the iron that's doing the sharpening is abrasive. So if you always want somebody to treat you with kid gloves, you'll never be prepared. I better, I'm going to come, come back here. You'll never be made what you ought to be if people got to always rub you on the back and soft talk you and smooth talk you and help you. Okay, come along. If people got to always do that, you're in baby phase and you're not qualified for ministry anyway. When you grow up, I said when you grow up, you're able to take people being abrasive to you and not quit the church. And I don't know if you've ever seen iron sharpening iron. When they rub against each other, there will be sparks because there's going to be friction. And if you quit the church, it's because there's friction. You're not ready. Y'all not saying anything to me. You're not ready if you, if you can't handle the friction. Because there's going to be friction, there's going to be heat. It's too hot in here. Oh, Lord. Well, you can't, you're not ready then. There's going to be sparks. Sparks going to fly. It might be some finger snapping going somewhere. Might be a couple of neck rolls I see some of y'all women do, right? It might happen. But don't quit. Because you and I, we need that because God is trying to help make us what we ought to be. We can't do that without some, some rough, rough times that are meant to smooth out the rough edges. You got it? All right. So last week, we gave you that big cuss word, submission. Everybody say submission. submission. Hallelujah. And, and submission was the first thing we gave as part of our preparation process because submission teaches obedience and prepares you for leadership. Submission teaches obedience and prepares you for leadership. Everyone must be prepared for leadership. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God told me a few years back, he said, I don't want you gathering a bunch of followers. Right. 
I want you developing a bunch of leaders. So please understand if I'm abrasive with you. Because leaders um, have to be able to stand in front of the battle. Leaders don't retreat. If you got a leader who runs behind in a battle, that's what Jesus talked about when he said those, those false shepherds who when the sheep are in trouble, the false shepherds, they run away. But the good shepherd stands right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you got to know how to be able to stand some fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so submission prepares you for leadership. Remember the scripture, we didn't read it, but in Matthew 8 verse 9, uh, talks about this man uh, called the centurion. And the centurion, when he came to Jesus Christ, he wanted his, his son or his servant rather to be healed. And he said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So notice he was, he was submitted under authority and had soldiers under him, which means he was also in authority. Under authority and in authority. You cannot, you cannot operate in authority till you first learn how to operate under authority. Amen, lights. If you, if you never learn how to submit, you will never be qualified to lead. Y'all quiet right here. Hallelujah. Now, I don't have time to stay there because I got to get to the next one here tonight. Okay? We talked about last week how Jesus Christ submitted to his parents. Y'all remember that? Luke 2 talked about how at 12 years old, his parents came, they found him in the temple, and when they found him, uh, he said, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? And uh, they said, boy, you better come on before we spank your bottom. And he, he said, oh, the, okay, he, he, he became subject to them. Verse 51, and then verse 52 talks about how he began to increase in wisdom and stature and favor and so forth, right? So Jesus Christ learned obedience. He learned how to submit, and that's why increase came in his life. Hallelujah. Then I talked about 1 Corinthians 16, uh, about the right people to submit to. About, Paul talked about the household of Stephanus, who they were devoted, or King James says, addicted to ministry. And he said, submit to, to these kind of people. So don't submit to everybody. Because you submit to the wrong people who aren't interested in ministry, all they're interested in personality and portraits and photo ops and titles you will subject yourself or make yourself vulnerable to spiritual abuse and manipulation. I'm telling you, you'll end up, you'll, you'll be the kind of person who will give somebody your whole, your whole paycheck. Um, not because God told you to, but because they told you, or the Lord tell you, you need to give your whole paycheck. Now, there are times God may tell you that, and God may use a prophet of God to tell you that, but you got to make sure it's God through the prophet and not the prophet, a for-profit prophet. <laughs> there are some for-profit prophets. Okay? All right. Last one, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this. Obey those who rule over you. Obey those who what? Rule. So there are people in the body of Christ, obviously, who are in position to what? Rule. And it says when they are, obey them and then be Submissive, why? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give, an, give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Okay? So notice submission is for our development and our protection. For our protection. 
I, I think it's important that I reiterate that. It's for our protection. When a shepherd watches over the sheep for the sheep's protection. How many of y'all know that there are ravenous wolves out there? And, and that's, my wife beat me to it. And the, the, Jesus said the wolves, they come in sheep's clothing. Now notice he didn't say the wolves come in shepherd's clothing. I'll come over here. I heard, heard a mm over here. He didn't say the wolves come in shepherd's clothing. He said the wolves come in sheep's clothing. And a lot of times folk are looking for the wolves in the pulpit and don't realize the wolves are sitting right next to you, right behind you, right around you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so the, the job of the pastor or the world, those who are ruling is to protect you. Amen. And so we want to be protected. Praise God. All right. Now let's go to the next one here. Beyond submission, what I found is a critical component to preparation and equipping and making us what we ought to be is something called service. Service. Everybody say service. Submission is my posture. It brings me in divine order. Submission brings me into divine order. But now we're in the service. Serving trains me in humility. Serving trains me in humility, which is necessary for grace. Remember now, Paul said that God enabled me. God graced me. The grace of God needs to be upon me. Well, grace is given to those who are humble. So God uses something called service to put us in a position or posture of humility. Hallelujah. Y'all don't seem too excited about that. Give me 1 Peter 5, verse 5 in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible. Let's look at what it says. Everybody see that? Let's read together. Ready? Read. You younger men, come on. And all of you serve each other with what? For God gives, but sets himself against. So you don't want to be in the proud family. You don't want to be riddled with pride. You want to be humble before God. And what he says is, he says, make sure you serve each other with humble spirits because God gives special blessings. King James, New King James says he gives grace. Grace is a divine enablement, and we could also throw in favor and so forth, okay? But he gives that to those who are humble, not those who are proud. My dad used to say, the humble child shall taste the grace. I used to hear my dad say that all the time, the humble child shall taste the grace. So God gives grace to the humble. So how do we get trained in humility? It's serving. Serving. So, so when, 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 when there are opportunities in the church... To serve, and well, I can't do that, or I'm, I'm not in, I don't want to be involved in that. What you're doing is you're missing the opportunity to learn and develop humility, which is required for grace. Hallelujah. Well, we all receive grace. I know we've all, re- we've all been made partakers of grace, but you want more grace. You want grace to do more in the kingdom of God. Well, I told you last week, the, the way up is down. Hallelujah. And, and the, the, the pattern that's been established in the word of God repeatedly is that those that God raised up, they started first serving. 
And it's so interesting because in, in, the, in the modern church, one of the things that is hard to get people to do is serve. Now, we're, we're blessed in this, in this ministry to have so many people who serve. They find their way in ministry. I'm, I'm going to put my hands to the plow. I'm going to be involved in this. I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to, um, uh, you know, hap, haphazardly serve. I'm going to intentionally serve. No, sign me up. I'm on that team. See how quiet y'all got? No. Not, well, I'm just, whatever my hands find to do. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That, that's the extra. But what are you committed to in serving? What, what have you obligated yourself to do in serving? Because if it's just whatever I, have, I find my hands, whatever my hands are going to do, it, you can kind of, you know, pick and choose what you, <laughs> I don't, don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do that. But, but what do you commit yourself to doing? And, and what the church is missing is the, the, the consequence of serving, which is humility. And if you don't ever get that, you get a whole bunch of uh, chiefs whole bunch of big eyes eyes the letter i big eyes i'm 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 waiting to see you know how people are going to serve me hallelujah give me exodus 33 and 11 how many of y'all remember joshua and moses exodus 33 and 11 i'm just going to take you this through this real quick it says so the lord spoke to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would, Moses would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So notice how the Bible, this is the first place that this identifies Joshua as Moses' what? Servant. servant. Now, nobody wants to, wants to be used, wants to, anybody call him a servant. I, no, we, we're not going to have servants today, Pastor. That's, that's, that's a belittling term. Yet Paul called himself over and over and over again. The servant of God. The servant of God. And I know, I know you and I are in this uh, Holy Ghost faith kingdom place where, no, we're sons of God. I know we're sons of God. But Paul, who knew, who, Paul, who gave a revelation of the sonship of, that we have with God, kept calling himself a servant of God. Because although we are sons in our, in our position, in our dominion, we are, we are servants in how we operate. We must always be willing to serve God and serving God is going to look like serving people. Oh yeah. Pastor, you cussing again. I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 31, 14. Now notice it says Joshua is a servant of, of Moses. Notice it didn't call Joshua the servant of God. It called Joshua the servant of Moses. He's serving a man. Y'all quiet on this role here. He's serving a man. Well, ain't nobody going to serve no man. I put my pants on the same way that man put his pants on. Maybe. But, but, but God... The Holy Ghost calls him a servant of Moses. Did I get all my birthday presents already? Okay, I gotta make sure. Okay, I gotta make sure. Okay, we're gonna say some stuff, and I don't want you to. Okay, take my mind. Okay. So Deuteronomy 31, verse 14. Read it with me. Read it with me. Ready at home. I want them at home. All right, ready. Read. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, 
Now, who was Joshua again? Okay, call Joshua. Keep going. That I may. So Joshua, the servant, is now going to get inaugurated because he's going to become the next leader. Because he served. He served. Her wasn't the next leader. Aaron wasn't the next leader. It was Joshua because Joshua was the servant. So the servant was the one in line for leadership. That's why I'm telling you, this serving, it prepares you for leadership. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and, and again, God told me, he said, I don't want you collecting a bunch of followers. I want you to develop a lot, a lot of leaders. Okay? So Joshua, who's Moses' servant, now when God says, okay, your time's up. I'm bringing you up here. Now I want you to go get Joshua, the one that's been serving you, and I'm going to inaugurate him. Can't you imagine that kind of inauguration? Glory. We know people have these presidential inaugurations, but God said, I'm going to inaugurate him. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm putting my hand on him. I voted him in. So I'm going to inaugurate him. Hallelujah. Notice there wasn't an election for the next leader. No, it was the one that God already called. It's the one God saw who was faithful. Hallelujah. Now go, go one more place. Go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Hallelujah. Y'all got it at home? Okay, let's read it. Ready, go. After the death of Moses, the servant... Moses was what? The servant of the Lord. Joshua was a servant of? Moses. So when Joshua was serving Moses, he was serving the Lord. That's why Paul says in Galatians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that from the, from the Lord you receive the reward of your inheritance. So when you are serving someone, or whether it's your pastor or whether it's another person in the body of Christ, because remember we read in 1 Peter 5, 5, we're going to serve each other. Y'all quiet. We're going to serve each other. But when we're doing that, we're serving God through serving each other. You got it? So notice it says, after the death of Moses, serve the Lord. Keep reading. It came to pass. Come on. So assistant and servant are the same thing. Okay. Keep going. Now, therefore. The children of Israel. Keep going. Come on. Every place. As I. So, so Joshua's getting the same words that Moses got. Keep going. Verse 4. Your territory. Keep going. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So as I was with Moses. Now, the only way Joshua could have known the way God was with Moses was because Joshua was so close. Joshua was close enough because he served and he saw how God was with Moses. So he knew exactly what God's talking about. Are y'all seeing this here? So there's something you get when you serve. Hallelujah. I said there's something you get when you serve. Go to 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. Think about Elisha. 
and Elijah. Remember, Elisha received Elijah's mantle. That's what uh, uh, Minister Clayton preached on that, that Sunday evening, right? He received that mantle from Elijah. And he got it because he served Elijah. All right? Now, remember, Elijah, Elijah had sons of the prophets. He, he had what we would call a whole school of prophets. Whole school of prophets. But only one guy was eligible for the mantle. It wasn't the one who was, who was, who was his, his protege. It was the one who was sitting at his feet, the one who was serving. Look at what it says here, 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. Ready, ready at home, ready, read, go. So he departed. Uh huh. And he left the oxen. Minister Clayton dealt with that. I mean, he dealt he walked heavy on that. I don't need to deal with that. Verse twenty one. Go. Now, when Elijah throws the mantle on Elisha, Elisha knows what this means. Elisha knows who Elijah is. Elijah is the prophet of Israel. And when Elisha receives that mantle, Elisha knows, wait a minute, my life just changed. You mean I'm going to be the next prophet of Israel? I'm going to be the next prophet of Israel. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to be the next prophet of Israel. Yes. But what's his first order of business? He served Elijah. Which means you can have a calling, an anointing, a grace, a mantle. But you don't step in it before it's time because you have to be prepared. You got to be trained. Although Elisha knew who Elijah was, he never walked closely with him. So now he gets the opportunity to walk closely with him, not as his partner in the ministry. Not, not like I, I watch folk do sometimes in, in around here and other places. I'm, I'm on your level. No, no, no. First of all, you're not. No. Secondly, that's not what Elisha did. He came, he submitted under him and became Elijah's servant. Now, now the Holy Spirit just brought something back to me here a moment ago because what, what I want you to notice, when Elijah found Elisha, what was Elisha doing? Working. Serving. I'm going to come over here. He found Elisha already working, already serving his father. I told you, God's already inspecting you. God's already examining you. God's already observing you before he puts a mantle on you. All right, y'all didn't, you didn't get that. What about Moses? When God called Moses, what was Moses doing? He was serving his father-in-law. He was tending Jethro's sheep. 
when, when, when Samuel came with the oil to put it on the next king of Israel, what did they find David doing? Serving. Already serving. See, God's already watching you. He's watching you right now. He's watching you. He's checking you out. And when he sees you're faithful in serving, now he's going to bring you to another dimension, another level of serving. Because now he's going to let you serve close enough to learn and glean from the one that he's going to have you all, all come up eventually to serve along with them. Are y'all seeing this here? So Elisha serves. Now, go to Second uh, Kings. Let's do one more on Elisha. Second Kings 3, verse 9 through 12. Second Kings 3, verse 9 through 12. Because it says he became Elijah's servant. Second Kings 3, verse 9 through 12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all got it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, go. So the king of Israel, this is Ahab, okay? And the king of Israel said, come on. So Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute, there's got to be a prophet somewhere. Because if we can find a prophet, we can get an answer. All right? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, come on. Elisha is here who did what? So when it says he served Elijah, it didn't mean he was the one, you know, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, uh, preach next to you. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to operate on Elijah's level. So when it says he became his servant, it literally means he served him. He poured water on his... He, he's the one that washed Elijah's hands. When, when they went on a, on a trip, he's the one that would get down and wash Elijah's feet. Elijah's feet. Look at y'all. Look how y'all looking. He's the one that would carry Elijah's stuff. He's a, he's a servant. Y'all, y'all looking at me like y'all. He, he's the one that he served. So when he served, we know what happens later on uh, that, that now he's got this mantle. You go back one previous chapters where Elijah is caught up and now that mantle that he had received temporarily now becomes his permanent mantle. He receives the mantle temporarily. Remember that back earlier? That's the first thing we read. The, the mantle was thrown on him temporarily. Now he had to qualify to permanently keep it. I, I, I wish more than Elder Baker would get this tonight. He, he, he temporarily had it. But now because he served faithfully, now he was qualified to keep it permanently. And the same anointing, the same oil that was on Elijah now transferred to Elisha because he served. Amen. Tell your neighbor, there's power in serving. Proverbs 27 verse 18 in the Good News Translation. This, this, this is a principle. This is a concept, a law. 
It says, take care of a fig tree and you will have figs to eat. You, if you tend to the fig tree, you'll have fig, you're going to eat figs. If you take care of it, you're going to eat the figs on it. Servants who take care of their master will be honored. The implication is that, that when you serve, you get to eat the fruit of from the one you serve. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And yet, so many people in the body of Christ battle with this idea of serving. That's powerful, man of God. Uh, it must be. But we're all called to serve. Thank you, Lord. Come on, man of God. You got to start there. That's powerful. Okay, here's a question. Okay, well then, when do I get to stop serving? When do I get to stop serving? What'd y'all say again? Never. No, I, don't, I come up now. You don't get to stop serving. <laughs> See, there, there's, we, we, we like to use the term now, servant leadership. So you can be a leader who still serves. Remember what we read in 1 Peter 5, 5, God gives grace to the humble. So if you hit a level of leadership, well, I'm in the five-fold ministry now and you stop serving, you're not going to have grace for that fivefold ministry. There's not going to be any oil on your fivefold ministry. Oh, no, I'm a prophet now. I don't have to serve nobody. Well, you're, you're going to be in trouble because you're not going to have any grace on your prophetic ministry. It's going to be pathetic and not prophetic. Okay, who's the greatest example of the fivefold ministry? Jesus Christ. Did he ever stop serving? He never stopped serving. Matthew 20. Give me Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28. Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28. We know Jesus Christ was all that in a bag of chips and grits and everything you... Right? Look at Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. It says, but Jesus called them to himself. Now, there was an argument going on earlier between uh, the disciples because... Uh, uh, James and John, their, their mom was trying to get them some special favor, trying to, trying to find out, Jesus, can, when my sons come with you, uh, can they be seated next to you in your kingdom? She's trying to get them from like special placement. And now the disciples, they get in, a, in an argument over this, you know, who the baddest, who, who you think you is, or that whole kind of thing, right? So Matthew 20, verse 25 says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know the, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. So when the Gentiles are your lords, uh, your rulers, they lord it. They're they going to they be uh, tyrannical. Right? He says, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever read it desires to become let him so if you desire to be great, you desire to be somebody, he say the way you become great, the way you become somebody is you become a servant. Oh, y'all quiet in this church here. The way you become great is you become a servant. 
If you ever aspire to be some great leader, a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, a bishop, a world-renowned evangelist, you aspire to be that, the way you become that is you first become a servant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ is our greatest example. Look, look at what he says, verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. No, we don't like that phrase in the kingdom. He says, do you desire to be great? He said, let him be your save, uh, slave. Verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, help me out, but to and to what? He is Jesus, the Son of God. The eternal one. He's the word made flesh. And yet he says, I didn't come here for y'all to serve me. I came here to serve you. He knows who he is. He knows he, he knows he's the son of God. He's the only one who heard out of heaven, this is my beloved son. Nobody else ever heard that. And yet he says, in my sonship, I come to be a servant. So if Jesus Christ can be a servant, don't tell me you can't serve because you is not him. That's, I know that's bad English. You are not him. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is him. He, Jesus is him. He is him. Jesus is him. Jesus is that guy. He is that guy. He is all that. He is master, Lord, savior, redeemer, keeper, protector, provider, healer, waymaker, door opener, doctor, physician, lawyer in the courtroom. Bread when I'm hungry, water when I'm thirsty, bridge over. He's all that. And yet he says, I came here to serve. So you never get out of serving. Can you say, hey, amen? amen? Look at John chapter 13. John 13, verses 3 through 5. John 13, 3 through 5. Are y'all doing good? Yes, now look at this. Here, here he is near at the end of his ministry. This is the week of Passover, the time of the Last Supper. And it says this in John 13, 3. It says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. So he knows, go, go back, give me that verse again. He knows that he's come from God. I mean, you tell me Jesus don't know he's all that. He knows he's come from God and he's going to God. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go, go back to the Father. I'm about to get all that glory I once had. He's like, I'm wrapping this thing up. At this point, he should be like riding out. But look at verse 4 and 5. Read it with me, please. Verse 4 and 5. Ready? Read. Rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin. Come on. And to wipe them. Jesus? Come from the Father? Going back to the Father? Washing feet? Now, these are not guys, and they, they living on, you know, concrete paved, tar paved roads. They, they, they are walking dusty roads all day long. Crusty feet. They don't have all kind of Vaseline and, 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 and paraffin wax and all that. What's all that stuff y'all women do in your feet? They don't have all that. They got crusty, gnarly toes, these fishermen and... Come on, everything you can imagine with feet. Ashy feet. 
And yet the master, the Lord and Savior, the Redeemer, he kneels down, kneels down. Now, first of all, this is a servant's job. It was customary when you entered into someone's home that this wealthy person, they'd have their servant. When you enter their home, the servant would get down and wash all the guests' feet. Jesus Christ has taken the, the role of the lowly servant. Now, he's, he's all of their master rabbi teacher. He, he, they know that. And he said, I'm washing your feet. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Media, I didn't give you this, but this just came down, came to me. <laughs> Look down at verse 12. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, everybody say, uh-oh. You also to wash, oh Lord, I'm leaving that church. You also, y'all, 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 y'all left me. Y'all leave me. Come on, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. You also ought to wash. What he said is, if I can humble myself down. Then surely, I'm your Lord and teacher. If I can number myself down, then surely you can number yourself down to wash each other's feet. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I grew up in a church where we did this on a regular basis. Any of y'all grew up Pentecostal, apostolic, or uh, primitive Baptist? Regular Baptist people, missionary Baptists didn't do this, Southern Baptists didn't do this, but the the primitive Baptist church. Barry, you in primitive Baptist church? Primitive Baptist church, they, they, they're primitive. Christ gospel, y'all do that? Christ gospel, Angie? Christ, Angie, Christ gospel, y'all do this kind of stuff? Washing feet. We did it. And I, I can't remember, Warren, if we did it every first Sunday. Or it wasn't every, but it was often enough that it felt like every week. <laughs> oh, man. And we did it always at nighttime. And, and at night, I'm just going to tell you the truth. At, at nighttime, the guys, they've worn them shoes and socks all day long. I'm just going to tell you, because you, you, you went, to, went to Sunday school at 945, church started at 11 o'clock, and then you went out to eat somewhere. You came back at 6 o'clock for, for YPWW, then service all night, and then we're going to wash feet at the end of the night. You know, boy, it was ranking, it was humming. And it takes a certain level of humility. And we did it. I remember we actually did that here in this church uh, several years ago. And I, t- I want to tell you something. We've had some wonderful times here in this church. But that was one of the most powerful meetings we ever had in this church ever in our 25 years was when we as a church washed each other's feet. Because when you do that, it is, it is humbling. It is, 
you really have to put away all your strife and all your little bitterness and all your little, you know, well, I'm all that in a bag of chips and, you know, but I'm the praise team leader and, you know, well, I'm a deacon and, I, you know, you know, I wear a three-piece suit. Not tonight. You're going to be washing these feet. I'm just telling you. Verse 15. Verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do. Why? Because the servant, verse 16, is not greater than his master, nor is he, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, why don't, we, why don't we wash feet tonight? Come on, let's, let's get the bowl. We, let's wash feet tonight, y'all. Look at y'all. Y'all like. <laughs> I just want to see y'all faces. No, Pastor, let's plan for this. Let's plan for this. We're going to do it first thing in the morning. The point being is not the washing of the feet. It's the humility that comes from serving. From serving. I, w- I, was, I was thinking about this. Uh, my nephew Clayton, Minister Clayton, when he came here, he was ministering uh, Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And uh, when he got back in town, uh, at his home where he, he is, and uh, I remember he, we were texting back and forth, and he, he, he remarked, he said, he said, it was amazing to him he and his wife, Charity, they were going and, and looking over, you know, watching the video. And he said, and I look in the video, and he, he said, I saw you holding my soaking wet towel and a Gatorade for me. He said, I, you were serving me. I said, yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't I serve? But you're an apostle. Who cares? So was Jesus. He's the chief apostle. Now, when I'm here, you know, and things are happening, I, I, you know, I, we got catchers and all the kind of altar workers. But when I'm away, especially like when I'm, I'm with, with my spiritual dad and I'm, I'm there and even if I'm not called, man, and people falling out, man, I'm, I'm helping catch people or people need a hand up. I'm picking them. I look at it, all the other pastors just be sitting over there. <laughs> All the pastors sitting there just who? Not me. Man, this stuff is this, this stuff happening here, man. People need help. You cannot get too big to serve. I don't care who you are. You cannot get too big to serve. And we have to also understand we're called to serve each other. I'm almost out of time here. We're called to serve each other. We're, we're blessed in this church having some great teams. Uh, we, we do, uh, a lot of times we do a lot of dinners and lunches and stuff over here. And we have a great team, Sister Leanne and her team, uh, that serve team. They, they come and they serve us, you know, like, they're ro- like we're royalty. Oh, yeah. Waiting on us, I mean, hand and foot and just, most of them I tell them, y'all, no, Pastor, can we get your plate? No, I got it. I can get my own plate. But I understand it's an honor to serve. So sometimes I got to I just I got to let them serve. Okay, let, let me let y'all serve me. Praise the Lord. But I, you you can't get so arrogant 
so proud that you can't kneel down and serve somebody else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Husbands, it's okay to take your wife's plate. No, I'm the husband. She's supposed to take my plate. Okay, just remember that in a couple of hours. Uh-huh. Take my plate. No, you better learn how to serve, cuz. In humility, serve one another. Can I read one more on this? And then I think I, we're, we're, I'm going to quit here. Um, Matthew 10, 41 and 42. Matthew 10, verse 41 and 42. Most of you, you've seen this before, but I want to bring something out to our attention here. He who re- receives a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive what? Y'all ever heard that? Yes. We get excited about that, don't we? Isn't that good? And he who receives a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive what? That's wonderful. Now let's look at this verse that most people don't read and talk about. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So we've gone past the prophet, past the righteous man, now to the little ones. Because sometimes people all have that deal. Well, I'm going I'm to serve the man of God. I'm going to serve the priest. I'm going to serve the prophet. But don't. But you overlook the little ones. Yes, sir. I'm serving a man of God. You better get your own plate. You overlooking the little ones. Give me the same. Uh, those same three verses, two verses, whatever it is, in the the, the Living Bible, please. Living Bible. If you welcome a prophet because he's a man of God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet, a prophet gives. Now, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And if you welcome good and godly men because of their godliness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Verse 42. Read it with me. Ready? Read. And if, as my representatives, you give even a cup of cold water to a little child, so now we're not talking about just honoring the five-fold ministry because I'm trying to get some anointing off them. I want to get that oil on the five-fold ministry. No, no, no. He's talking about the little ones, the children. And people get this mantle. I got my mantle. Hey, we need some, we got some openings in the kids' ministry. Oh, no. That ain't, that ain't my grace. I ain't caught to that. And yet we're, we bypass these little children that God says, if you bless them, serve them, bring, do something for them, you won't lose your reward. In fact, he says here, here you'll surely be rewarded. So there's a reward in children's ministry. Hey, hey, hey. Now, you may not want to be a teacher. You may say, I'm going to make sure I keep all the toys sanitized and clean. Y'all ain't y'all. I can't. I'm going to come and make sure all the markets have caps on them. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
See, I'm just telling you, see, see, when it comes to service, people have either this grandiose idea of serving something in some very lofty area, or they have a no service idea at all. I ain't serving nobody. I'm going to come to church late, and I'm going to leave early, and I'm going to sit here, and the praise team better sing a song right, and the, and the preacher better preach my song, preach my, my message right, and I'm just, I'm out of here. So people come to church to be served. As opposed to coming to serve. When I come to serve, I'm going to find out, God, what is my role? What do you want me to do? And if I don't know my assignment, if I don't know what my mantle is for yet, I'm going to get my hands dirty somewhere. Hallelujah. You never stop serving. I told you this last week. I don't make any apology for where God has brought me because I've lived my whole life serving. And I've not stopped serving. The people around here, you hear every day to tell you, I've not stopped serving. There, I, there are no menial tasks to me. And I'm the apostle. <laughs> according, according to Deacon Tyrone. <laughs> I just laugh at that. But there's no menial task to me. Garbage cans need to go out, I'm going to roll them out. I'm going to roll them in. I walk around, I see paper on the floor, guess what I'm doing every time? I'm picking it up. Well, you're, 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 you're paid. Um, <coughs> honey. There's not enough. Because what I am paid for is an, is an overseer. You know I'm not paid to preach? No. See, y'all don't pay me to preach. I preach because I'm compelled to preach. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. I say like Paul said. Paul said, if I don't preach it then there, there's still this, been this thing that's been entrusted to me. I have to preach the gospel. I'm paid to oversee this organization. And as an overseer, overseers don't go picking up trash. Overseers don't, don't, go, don't go change out the towels in the, in the, in the, in the, the, in the bathroom. But I do that because I'm still a servant. And we have people who do that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to wait. Well, the cleaning team, they'll be here Friday. They'll get to it. No, no, no. That, that, that paper's on the floor right now. They'll tell you when I'm up here on Wednesday or anytime, every time I'm up here, I'm straight in the chair. I walk, I'll be talking to somebody. I'm, I'm just straight in the chair. So it's, it's, it's in me because I serve. And I'm your pastor. I'm going to tell you like Jesus Christ, if I can serve, you can serve. Don't let there be anything that's beneath you. Because if it's something beneath you, you've not gotten low enough. You better get lower. You better get lower. 
my wife will tell you, when we were, we were on First Avenue uh, over there in our, one of our, another location, my wife and I would be the ones who would come in before church early and we'd clean all the bathrooms, scrub all the toilets, pick up all the dead roaches that was laying around. Now, if, if I were to tell some of y'all five-fold ministry called mantle people to do that, the business card people, I already got my little YouTube, my little Instagram, and you, I couldn't get you to do nothing like that. But when you are a servant, it's just what you do. And there's nothing beneath you. Because I'm serving God's people, I'm serving God, I'm serving in God's house. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd much rather be picking up paper in the house of God I know I'm preaching good. And I hope I'm not yelling at you. I'm not, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just trying to get you to understand that this is what prepares you. Because no matter how high you go, all you do is you reach another level of service. The higher you go, you only reach another, a greater level of service. So prepare yourself for that. How many of y'all said you got that fivefold or, or mantle for some reason in your life? Well, you have to find out, well, Lord, how do I serve now? Now, again, we're blessed because most of y'all are serving in ministry. Most of them, we, we, we're, we're planning something. We, we want to honor all, our, all of our helps ministers and everything, everybody serving here. We're going to do something here, I think, in October, I think, right? Um, because we really want to honor you because we appreciate. Th- this ministry doesn't happen just because of Pastor Kim and me. Impossible. Impossible. It happens because of you. You serve. And you can expect that because you serve faithfully, God will begin to promote you and increase you. How many of y'all remember a man named Philip and a man named Stephen in the book of Acts? We read about Stephen, uh, his great things he did in in Acts chapter 7, the great things Philip did in Acts chapter 8. But we first see them in Acts chapter 6. When there was an issue going on in the church where the widows were not being cared for, the Grecian widows, the Greek widows not being cared for, and the apostles said, listen, we can't, we can't stop what we're doing to go serve. Um, we we got to be preaching this word everywhere. And they said, find seven men of, among you, good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, all that kind of good stuff, faith, power, and love, like we confess. And uh, Philip and Stephen were part of that group. Their job was to serve tables. Their job was to serve people. And yet because they served faithfully, Stephen and Philip both walked and miracles, signs, and wonders. They both walk in miracles, signs, and wonders. And many times people aspire to have the miracles and the signs and the wonders and don't understand that God's going to pour the oil on you while you're serving. So, number one is submission. Number two is service. That's how you get ready. Amen? Amen. And uh, I, I, I have faith and confidence that every one of you who've heard this word tonight, if you're not already serving, you're going to get plugged in right away. Amen. You're gonna get pl- I'm going to find my place in ministry where I serve and I serve faithfully. Yes. And now, let me, let me throw, this, throw this part in here real quick. When you do say I'm going to serve, who you serve under, you have to submit to. Yes. 
So don't say I'm going to serve and be a greeter and don't submit to Sister Gigi, Deacon S. Gigi. Well, no, you ain't a pastor. She's the pastor's des- designee. Are you following me? So you're not going to get away from, from submission. And if you want to go up, you got to go in service. Amen. Do y'all receive that tonight? Come on, give God a praise. That's all the time I have. I'm actually the past time. Come on, give God a big praise if you receive that word tonight. Hallelujah. I want you to clap like you actually going to take that and do something with it. Hallelujah. That's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. If I must say so myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Listen, um, serve God. Serve his people. And do it in sincerity and in truth. In sincerity and in truth. Do it as unto the Lord, not unto men. You're not doing it for a name. You're not doing it for somebody to call your name. You know there are people, when you read Paul's letters, he calls out some names, then he said, and the others. Which means there's a whole lot more people that Paul never even named them. They never had their name in life, never had an appreciation service, never had their name on a, on a badge. They were just called the others. But if you're willing to be part of the others, the unnamed crew, man, God's going to bless you so much. The Bible says in, in Hebrews that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love and that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. He's not, he's not going to forget when you labor in love. He's going to take good care of you. Amen. Your new house might be on the other side of your serving. How many, y'all, how many of y'all know Minister Barbara is an anointed teacher? I mean, she's a five-fold ministry. I don't just mean a teacher. She's a five-fold ministry teacher. But yet you'll see her after these meetings with that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Cleaning those bathrooms. And I said, girl, that's how, that's how it was for Rebecca. Rebecca was just serving when those camels showed up. Amen. You just have to give it. And all, there are many of you. I'm not just singing her out. Just many of you. Praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, tonight for the word. I thank you that your people uh, are poised and ready to step into a place of submission and service because you are preparing us for this work of the ministry. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, mantles have been released and that anointings have been stepped into, Father, and that your people, Lord, are stepping into the fivefold ministry calling and helps and administrations and all the other places that we need, need uh, uh, help, Lord. And I thank you that, God, you are raising your people up as an exceeding great army in this time. And I pray that, God, we will not allow the devil to, to, to trick us into being prideful, too arrogant, too, too haughty to serve, to serve the fivefold, to serve each other, to serve children, to serve the least ones, to serve those who are not even saved, those who are the poorest in the land, those who are in need of help. God, give us, uh, we ask you to give us the heart like your heart to serve, the heart like Jesus had, who knew who he was in you and yet would kneel down, stoop down, and serve those who were even under him. And I pray, Father, as we do that, this ministry will just uh, flourish in love 
It's in that kind of environment that love abounds and favor flows and people are attracted to that kind of environment. So Lord, let it be so in this place. And God, we thank you for the glory that shall abound this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Put those hands together and give God a praise. <laughs>